0: We are so thankful for your presence. We're mindful for those who have come from afar. And your presence encourages us so much, it's a note. we have to tell you. We want you back at each and every opportunity that you can be here. We mean that. It's edifying. It's encouraging. It builds us up in love. We're happy, and we want to increase the number that we have that are regularly members of the congregation in this fellowship. But at the same time, it's great to have brethren that we love and hold dear and respect and honor to come and worship with us. We hope that you'll find everything to be in accordance with the will of God. And if not, you will be our friend to bring it to our attention. I can make mistakes. Others can make mistakes. For we are human and we all want to do that which is right in the sight of God. If you have your Bibles, you might be turning to Acts, the third chapter. Do a little series, and everybody be very patient with me. We started in Acts two, and we're going through the lessons because there are sermons, and then there are some things that are opportunities to teach. And we see the apostles and others going through the book of Acts as a book of conversions, and. There are various approaches, there are various things that come up. Some people, the eunuch is of an entirely different background when Philip is going to the eunuch to teach him than what we had on the day of Pentecost when we had Jews out of every nation gathering in Jerusalem. And we want to look at similarities and differences that it might help us in evangelism and it might strengthen our faith at the same time with regard to things like the prophecies that are mentioned and how if you do some of the math, it's just amazing the specificity of the prophecies that we have about Christ and the church and other things and how they came true. The only prophecies I know that are yet unrealized are those that have to do with the judgment day and Jesus coming back and things of that nature, what happens to the earth and what happens to other things and how we'll be judged. But we need to know as much as we can from the Word of God to be what we should be in fighting the good fight of faith, in discerning what is truth and know what is error, and being able to, if at all possible, distinguish and help others that may be caught up in things that are wrong. So, what is this about? A lot of things, but I want to make sure we get the evangelistic part. Of this. I believe that in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, that was Jesus speaking to the apostles. But he said at the end, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you, after you <coughs> to teach and you make disciples, even until the end of the age. There have been things that are unscriptural practices called multiplying ministries in some of the churches of Christ nationwide in America. We ought not be so America-only centric, but hey, we're here, and that's what we've got to deal with. But we have brethren all over the world. But the true ministry, Mark's not bringing in something new now, this is the Great Commission, is a multiplying ministry. Because when people go out and teach and broadcast the seed, the word of God and God gives the increase, we can have increase. It is our job to broadcast the seed, not sit on a bag of seed as the expression is sometimes used. Let it never be the case that we live our entire uh, adult life as a Christian. We know the truth, we have the truth. But imagine a person sitting on seed when there are people starving out there and the seed needs to get in the ground. And yes, there's some bad ground. Yes, it may be a low percentage, but whatever the case, it's our job to move the seed out. And then we'll be judged accordingly. In Acts, the third chapter, I would like to take the time to read what we have there. I'll be reading from the New King... James version of the Bible. And as we think about the day of Pentecost, we're not given exactly the amount of time between that day ending and this event that involves the healing of the lame man. Um, But there's going to be a numerical increase that's going to be mentioned as we get through this lesson that is significant. It's sad, and I don't know the numbers, Uh, we're not given as to how many came on the day of Pentecost, and how many maybe lingered longer, that came in from out of town, and what was left that were not Christians. But we've got a couple of statistics that are given to us in that regard. New King James Version, Acts 3. We're going to start with a miracle. And God had a purpose for those, and we'll try to keep the slides up with the text, and then if we need to break it in two and do a little review, bear with me as we do that. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, by the right hand, and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him in Acts 2 there was a proclamation that included the death, burial, and resurrection, ascension, and exaltation of Jesus Christ as part of the message. And as we get into this interaction outside of just the lame man and the miracle that happened, watch how it is intertwined, but watch how the gospel teachers, in this case Peter and John with him, go into teaching mode as quickly as they can verse 11 forward now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John all the people ran together to them in the porch which is called Solomon's greatly amazed so when Peter saw it he responded to the people men of Israel why do you marvel at this or why look so intently at us as though through by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified, here it comes, his servant Jesus. (laughs) It's going to go ahead and deal with the elephant in the room here. We've got a sin problem, and there's a remedy. And we're going to tell you about that. And whether you know it or not, these miracles are to confirm the word, as Mark 16, verse 20 says, these are the signs that follow Hebrews 2, Verses 2, 3, and 4. Backing up again to 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised, from the dead there's another point that just resounds we've got a resurrection now he predicted it he said it would happen and it did whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. So we've got eyewitnesses all around because of the fact that we're not so far removed from the death, burial, resurrection, time of Jesus staying after that resurrection. Many witnesses see him, and then he ascends to heaven before Pentecost. That happened just a little while ago. We're just not sure. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. He has indicted these folks uh, and laid their sin at the feet where it needs to be put. Um, They're being very direct and honest, but they're dealing with Jewish brethren. If you see this word brethren come up now, as they're speaking. That doesn't mean they're already Christians. They're just kin in the Jew uh, nationality that they have, and they're brethren in that sense only. So verse 17, Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of his prophets, notice that Christ would suffer, He has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Now another time. Moses. For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who followed, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham. So he's invoked some real heroes of faith in Jewish history, isn't he? And in your seed, thinking of the, the Wednesday night class that we have now that Reagan's teaching. i thinking of Genesis, the 12th chapter, verses 1 through 3. Saying to Abraham, and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Now we'll play catch up here. There will be a little bit of redundancy if you will. I have a lot of people in the religious world today throughout quote unquote Christendom that are celebrating The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the first day of the week. The Lord arose on the first day of the week. In the plan that God has for New Testament Christianity, the pattern, the form of doctrine that's been delivered, we do that every Lord's Day. And this should have been just as righteous and just as solemn and just as bittersweet And happy that he did it so that we could have our sin debt paid personally, each and every one of us, because we could never pay that sin debt for ourselves. And so, yes, the life of Christ had to be perfect, and it was on earth, tested in all points like as we, tempted in all points like as we. Then, that made him a perfect sacrifice to actually die for our sins, but one of the most, if not the most, horrific deaths that a human being could endure and he suffered the cross willingly for you and me and we love him but also for those that are our enemies and his enemies because he loves everyone. Without the resurrection, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians fifteen if you want to turn over there. I think we'll read the first seven verses it would all be in vain except that he he suffered, bled, and died for us. And he lived perfectly, so we got a perfect sacrifice. But because of the prophets and the prophecies that said he will rise again, if he messed that up, what kind of God do we have? What kind of reliability do we have? What kind of soundness do we have? But he rose from the dead. And the witnesses were there. And he's been exalted in that regard. And after being on earth for a little bit longer... He went on up, telling the disciples, the apostles particularly, to go into Jerusalem and wait for the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, who would bring the miraculous ability for them to, without study, preach the new covenant, and convict the gainsayer, and also be able to confirm the word with signs following. Over in First Corinthians seventh chapter. Thank you for the page turners. I can hear it. That's an encouragement as well. But if you've got a digital vice and you're with us, like I said, it's New King James for the most part today. Seven is not it, it's fifteen. So I'm sorry wherein I misspoke. I've got it right on the chart. And somewhere in my brain. Thanks for your indulgence. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, Paul says, which I preach to you, which also you receive, and in which you stand, by which you also are saved, if, that little big word, two-letter word, that's one of the biggest words in the Bible, if you hold fast that word which I preached to, to you unless you believed in vain. All right, tell us more, Paul, by inspiration. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. No charge for the extra verse when I said i going to go with seven. It is so critical that we realize these essential ingredients for it to be that we can have our way unto salvation Mm -hmm. as paved by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as prophesied hundreds of years in advance, in some cases a couple thousand years or more with some of the people that are mentioned that are so ancient like Abraham and Moses. So we had the setting in Jerusalem Not the day of Pentecost, but afterward. Round the temple, we've got Solomon's porch or portico said to have been covered on the sides. They arrived at the hour of prayer, possibly to burn incense, but prayer was going on. It seems there are other passages that show us that uh, when Jesus, uh, John has a a record and... uh, one other citation that talks about Jesus walking through Solomon's porch. Ninth hour would be approximately 3 p.m. our time. Since Jesus walked through there, his disciples probably had a little more courage after he was gone because before Jesus came on the scene, Jews would just be going in there practicing their Judaism. But when Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, and they followed him around while he was uh, preparing them, John the Baptist having done his work, it worked to the good of all of us today. The man lame from birth, chapter 4 will say about 40 years old, was lame all the way from that time lay daily at the gate called beautiful, seeking alms. He asked for the alms, and Peter said, I can't give you money, but I'll give you something better. The Greek word in the name of, the word for name there is, is Strong's number 3686, carries it with it the idea of by the authority... Of and with full force of, it is not dunamis for power, it is not exesia. but it is used in Colossians 3:17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. It's used in this very text in chapter three, um, is it six and nine or six and eleven? When they talk about the name of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. We'll just touch on this for a moment because it's important for us not to forget that these miracles were up against charlatans like Simon the sorcerer. There were people out there that were trying to bewitch or fool the people and yet a sorcerer could know what the genuine article was when men... Uh, and women of God who may have had gifts were performing miracles endued to be able like uh, your sons and daughters will prophesy. I believe that's talking about being able to teach the gospel with the right gender roles and doing everything in accordance that's in the totality of what the scriptures would teach in New Testament Christianity. Women are performing miracles during the days of before that which is perfect uh, was complete or mature. A genuine miracle will happen immediately. It will not take time like six months or eight months. Providential healing that is happening today by God's help and with our prayers. If we're praying for somebody to get well and we don't believe in in divine, non-miraculous but providential, divine healing, then we need to stop those prayers. But we have Bible passages that teach that we can pray for those who are sick, in addition for praying for other things like our daily bread. A miracle that's done by the authority and power of Christ will take place immediately. I only know of about two uh, cases. One where there was someone that got Uh, had eye problems and at first they saw people walking about like trees and it was within just a few moments, it appears in the scriptures in that context, that everything was just right. And then those that came back to Jesus, I think it was on the limited commission and said, uh, we can't cast these demons out, what's going on here? And Jesus did and he taught them that that kind only came out uh, with fasting and prayer. This was not some insignificant problem where they were charlatans by any means. The amazement of the people on this occasion with the lame man, there was no doubt. guy was 40 years old he'd been continually laid at that gate. Uh, they were going to argue the genuineness. There was nobody brought in from you know, outside that they didn't know anything about and he was limping or acted like he couldn't move and then when they said what Peter said and he got up that it was all just fake. That wasn't the case at all. But they weren't going around just being a walking hospital. The purpose included being able to confirm the word that they were teaching as being from God, as mentioned in Mark 16 and Hebrews 2, verses 3 and 4. Now we're going to get into some comparisons by looking at where the prophecies are located from things that we saw in Acts 3. Acts 3 and verse 22. Get it right here and get out of 1 Corinthians. All right. So Deuteronomy 18.15 says The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brethren. Him you shall hear. And we've already read Acts 3 verse 22 which is almost verbatim in that regard. Go ahead if you're open to Acts 3 and look at verse 25 and as we mentioned uh, one of these is from Genesis 12, around verses 1 through 3. That's the verse that's in the box that's above mm-hmm. the little short line there. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And in 22:18 of Genesis, along with Acts 3, 25, and there may be a few other verses like 26 and 27, but... In your seed all nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Now let's think about the structure of the lesson from a teaching standpoint. We have the role of the teacher, we have the role of the student. We've got people that think they know Old Testament prophecy, they are Jews, they are somewhat familiar and they've been taught. Now, how much their retention is and how much they really put two and two together, there are some things going on with the lesson that are helping them understand. If they didn't get it before now, meaning then, then they're, they're being hand-fed the connect the dots, if you will. This is good teaching, and if we're in a situation, we shouldn't assume things. Uh, we should do what we can to help. Happened to start with a miracle. That brought some amazement. But they were pretty much knowing who this gentleman was. Go right to talking about Jesus and getting to the fact that sin is on their hands. Romans 3.23 gets us today because we weren't there when they crucified our Lord. (laughs) Alright? But we... All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Have sin on our hands as well. And we need the forgiveness of sins offered through Jesus Christ. And there's only one form. There's only one gospel. And therefore we're all going to be obedient to that gospel. By obeying the first principles of the gospel. The same way. Now will there be some differences? Yes. Yes. I think we've, if you take the three times that what should I do to be saved, almost verbatim is mentioned. Uh, people are in different stages of knowledge or understanding or background to where the speaker took up at where they were there and then took them into the form of doctrine, Romans 6, uh, verse 17, and thereabout, before and after that verse, concerning the pattern of becoming a Christian. It's been described like if we were trying to go to San Diego, uh, California, and we had someone leaving Auburn, and we had somebody else leaving Chicago, and we had somebody else leaving Dallas, Texas. <coughs> well, Dallas is the westmost of those three cities. The OI-65 goes up to Chicago. That's uh, about the best I got on that. So we're not going to have to tell them about turns or any types of roads that are east of Dallas, Texas. We're just going to give them the best path. But eventually they're going to converge on the city of San Diego the intended destination. Now it's a better deal to take the conversions, which is what we want to do, and we want to compare them and discern properly what is the pattern of becoming a child of God whatever they did then is what we need to do now absent the miraculous going on because we don't have that taking place in our time when we get to the point that they were at we now have the right to inherit the fulfillment of the blessings that come But the blessings to be received don't come until we meet the conditions, non-narratoriously, but the conditions that God pointed out to see if we're willing to be obedient to Him. And if we love God, we'll keep His commandments, and if He's commanded us to hear the Word of God, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, He's looking to see if, if we're going to respect His Word. And then repent or perish is given he wants to see if we will turn and amend our ways a change of heart resulting in a change of action in order for us all if we want to be Christians the Bible way to follow the pattern that does not exclude repentance we don't get to opt out of requirements that are in the form think of a sidewalk that's got Two by fours and a form has been made on either side, and the concrete's gonna stay on the inside, and then later when it dries, we'll will move the form away. But we in a in a neighborhood that has the same kind of houses, then we're gonna take that form and we're gonna put it down again, especially if it's not made out of wood, if it's made out of metal. We're gonna put that down exactly the same way and we're gonna get the same result and when somebody comes through and checks behind that work, they're going to say yes, these were all in conformance with the plan that was on the blueprint of what's going on. And there's some folks that are probably smiling about the blueprint. Yeah, we do have a pattern and uh, we have no authority to change that. So I'd like for us to look at the same bullets that we have here now and yet start with the call being the speaker the teacher and what would be in the mind of the teachers including us in having evangelism made personal because they got real personal here they were told they were in sin that they had participated in things that were absolutely wrong including talking pilot (laughs) uh, you know Ended doing something that he was already going the other way to let Jesus go. And then they said, no, no, no. What do you want me to do with Jesus? Crucify him. The believers were told to repent. So someone has to be willing to teach that repentance is necessary. Lovingly. Speaking the truth in love. But don't do it without pointing to the scriptures in the word of God since we're not inspired of God. They didn't have New Testaments back then. They were walking New Testaments as it was being revealed and now we have that which is perfect has come. 1 Corinthians 13 round verses 8 through 13. Somebody told them to be converted in Acts 3 verse 19. But they didn't make it up. It had to do with the plan. Now We've got another chart. We'll go ahead and go there. Comparing Acts two thirty eight language in English with the language of Acts three nineteen, it appears that we have some other English words that are slightly different, and they might even be different in meaning. So would that mean that one group on Pentecost in Acts two obeyed one form, and yet it was different from those that were being taught? okay, in Acts 3. I I submit to you that while there are different words here in English, um, take a look at repent, same. That's the uh, blue shaded oval. Acts 2.38 is on top and Acts 3.19 is under the line. Be baptized is in yellow. Be converted, as far as I understand, means... To turn. Well, the idea of repent means to turn. But was the inspired teacher on that occasion saying, repent and repent? No. But be converted is going to be a change of allegiance to Christ. Now, John the Baptist was a forerunner for a purpose for Christ's ministry. And he practiced the baptism that was unto the remission of sins but didn't put anybody in the Lord's church. That was not the purpose of John the Baptist's baptism. That's why you'll sometimes hear me talk about the baptism of the Great Commission because there are several baptisms in the Bible, but we want today to make sure that we're practicing the baptism of Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and Mark 16, 16 through 20, and what we see in most of Acts because we've got some people around Acts 19 that had to be baptized again because they were in the baptism of John, and that's helpful to have all of that information. So I'm saying, and I would posit, that because of us having one gospel, one faith, we're going to have to not work hard, but understand that though different terminology is used here to be converted, that these people who were Jews, who were watching Christ, tempting him to sin and looking at the way things were and knew of this fellow John the Baptist and knew of the baptisms going on in the River Jordan and hearing people talk about it, we're going to have to do something in in order to leave Judaism as a practice of religion and be a New Testament Christian. I know the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch, but bear with me on that. When we get for the remission of sins, and we have that your sins may be blotted out, that's just another good phrase, isn't it, for that. And because these are requirements to do in order to enjoy the blessings to receive, I may not understand every academic detail of what the gift of the Holy Spirit is in Acts 2.38, but I'll tell you this, If I did what God said do with the commands and got it all right, being a believer now, they were talking to believers at this time, in both sets. Then we don't have to worry about academically though we want to study and try to understand what that benefit means. You see what I'm trying to say is that a a benefit that comes to you later is not a command to be obeyed. You don't obey it the command to receive, you obey the other commands and you will be given. Similarly, if it's a synonymous situation, they would mean the same thing. But they may be two different blessings. Alright, and that's the underline in Acts 3.19. The times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. There's a lot of benefit for knowing that you have had all your sins removed when you obey the gospel. And knowing that you're given the earnest or the seal of your inheritance like a down payment on eternal life in heaven when we obey the gospel according to the plan that God has set forth. So I look forward to all of you teaching me what these mean down to the minute. No. It's important that we try to learn But those benefits to be received are academic, and yet we want to know what they are if we can to enjoy the positivity that comes with our Christian walk, especially in light of the suffering that takes place. All right, we're going back here just for a moment, and you can see the pattern that we've had there with those words, and we were looking at it from the evangelist or the teacher... Men or women teaching somebody the gospel today in 2023, looking at what they did. Now let's put it on the call. Last week we had a good lesson about making our calling and election sure. And there was what was termed an initial call. And that's to obey the first principles of the gospel of Christ and get it right. <laughs> so you really are in Christ when you do what the call is executed properly, you'll be there. And then the second part of the lesson was on the matter of after we got it straight that we really did answer the call to become a Christian, now we have our life to live until we die or Jesus comes for the judgment day, and we've got to keep not working to earn, but laboring, doing the work. It's not, well, I got my jersey, coach gave me a number, and I'm sitting on the bench and I'm on the team no that's a slothful servant in the parables that are mentioned and we're supposed to be out doing the work of the Lord and with love with the right attitudes so now we have to get into the mode of trying to help the people answer the call by teaching the truth and not overlooking anything and if we overlook repentance We've, we've got a problem because we're changing the pattern a little bit. All right? And, of course, it was believers that were told to repent in both Acts 2, 38, and Acts 3, 19. Check me on that because we've got to believe and we've got to repent. We need to be willing to confess. And we're confessing our faith uh, like the eunuch. And be immersed in water for the remission of our sins that they may be blotted out. Alright, you're listening so well. It's not two o'clock. What was the, What was the result? Well, let's go on over into chapter four, if you will, with me, and then we'll bring our lesson to a close. Chapter four of Acts. as they spoke to the people I take it this is a continuation from chapter 3, not a long time later, I'm thinking this is right on point with what's happening the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, and because all the Pharisees didn't seem to obey, there are going to be some others that are in this group too that are detractors Why would the Sadducees on the surface be mad about what they just heard being taught? They didn't believe in the resurrection. (laughs) And you got Pharisees that kind of sitting by not really wanting to get involved because then they're going to look like they're on the side of Peter and John. So truth can get some people really mixed up. And yet we need to stay with the truth just like they did. But they laid their hands on them, that is those that we've mentioned, and put them in custody, that would be Peter and John at a minimum, until the next day, for it was already evening, however many of those who heard the word believed, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. So, we have three bullets here. These people were disturbed about the teaching of the resurrection. They put them in custody for the night. And yes, when we teach the gospel, we're going to have some bad results. And it could be injurious. It may be slight, or it may be harsh. But on the other side, there was a response that many heard the word and obeyed. Every one of those is a soul, like we were talking about in the Bible class today. Whether it's 1%, like the lost sheep in Luke 15. If it's 10%, like the coin. Or 50% in one out of two, even though we know the older brother uh, sinned as well. Many heard the word believed, and they were added. And so, they're up to about 5,000, counting the men... So there's a larger number of that than Christians. But I just wonder how many did not. They refused. But they knew the prophecies. But they'd been around. They may have even seen the cross, the crucifixion. And here of the... Maybe they even saw a fellow that looked just like Jesus walking around when he was walking around before he ascended. And they didn't obey then. Or maybe you never obeyed. Here's some similarities. I think this is the last chart. In both Acts 2 and Acts 3. And you've listened very well. Jesus is preached without hesitation. Almost as soon as they get started teaching. Acts 2 and Acts 3. Out with it. <laughs> and, and it's... Jesus is overcome. <laughs> yeah, he, he was killed, but we needed him to die for us, for our salvation. The audience is charged with the transgressions and the supporting evidence of Scripture, in this case with Acts 2 and, and Acts 3, prophecies that apply to Jesus, and the witnesses, the eyewitnesses, who saw Jesus after he resurrected from the dead, and the fulfillment of all the prophecies with that specificity and they identify and match up perfectly with Jesus the Christ and his activities. And the remedy of sin being removed, freely being offered. Let us tell you what you got to do. Not asking for your money, we're telling you what you've got to do. Do you believe? Will you repent? Will you be converted or will you be baptized into Christ for the remission of sins? Some obey. Others do not, at least at that particular time. All right. As we go forward, we hope to chart even better, and I'll probably end up having a diagram that's got columns in it, almost like a widened spreadsheet. And we'll notice where these other prophecies are coming from. The chief cornerstone, let me throw in. Psalm 118 verse 22 that uh, they had disposed of him even though Jesus is the chief cornerstone. That prophecy was involved um, later. Thank you for your kind attention. If there's any way that you need assistance, whether it's with obeying the gospel or if it is you're already a Christian and you need prayers for the saints, or for yourself. Please respond to the gospel call. Number 284. Number 284. While together we stand and sin. Won't you come? 200.